This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking The Nun and Searching. Combined, it scared up a lot of money. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly, cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back into the other film movie topics. This is episode 337. 337. I mean, I think we should go back and renumber so that it's actually like 447 or something. <laughs> we have a... We have a double episode this week. We're talking a couple movies. Uh, we're finally going to be talking Searching. We're also talking The Nun, uh, which scared up $53 million this weekend at the box office. Which is, That's a uh, lot of money, by the way. It's a bit scary to itself. I mean, people love this universe. They, they want to go see these movies. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it acknowledges the brand's strength, that's for sure. We'll talk all about The Nun right. anymore, though. We'll get, we'll get there. Let's talk about who's joining us to, to talk about the, uh, the Nun and Searching, though. From uh, Edge on the Net, he's back in the habit. It's Kevin Taft. Hello. He's back <laughs> Hello. in the habit. Blessing <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> also joining us from Cal State Fullerton, he's searching for a good signal. It's Professor Mike Dillon. Oh, I'm glad I got a pun. <laughs> no, it's it actually a literal. I was worried I was going to get like a nun pun. <laughs> I, I, I know how to organize these things. I've been, we've been doing this show for a few hundred episodes. Yeah, <laughs> you fair know, enough. It eventually starts ringing true. Um, how are you guys doing today? Delightful. Oh, you know, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I like to hear. Um, but yeah, no, good to have you guys back. Uh, I think it's been a minute, Kevin, since we've had you. I think because I've tried to have you on a few times in the past. I think it's just been random scheduling and stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It has been. It's been like six months, I think. We got around to it. Worked out. Yeah, we're here. And uh, Mike, good to have you on as well. Um, we've Hi. Been, we've been planning to do Abu and I. There's still a special bonus that we're going to do at some point, um, which actually is going to be quite fitting, given that we're coming up to October, which is our horror month anyway. So. Um, but no, it's good to have you back on to, to talk about searching. I know you're really excited to talk about this movie. Yes, for a change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I'm the grumpy one uh, <laughs> when we talk about, I don't know, Pacific Rim or whatever it was. So, yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm enthusiastic about this one. Good. All right, let's get to some uh, show notes real quick. First up, our new commentary track is out, uh, which, Abe, you were actually on this time as well. I was. Yeah, we. Uh, it was a it was a blast. It was uh, something that uh, we've talked about for a while, and we finally did it. It was Predator Two. Yeah, we have a Predator Two commentary track up just in time for the Predator. And you wonder why Predator Two and not Predator? Well, it, who cares? That's that's the movie we chose to do. But also, <laughs> Abe and I have been wanting to do Predator Two since like near the inception of this podcast. So it's like right. yeah, we finally got to do it. And also, we 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 kind of choose like weird, goofy movies for commentaries for. We'll have some serious ones for it's, sure. It's a mix between but... movies that matter and things like Predator. And too. movies that we're just like, this is so bad that it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it's uh, we have that up. It's on iTunes and Audio Boom and everywhere you can find our show now. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Brandon Peters and Jim Deitch joined us as well. Uh, it was good times. What is, else? is that? Is that your consensus on Predator Two? That it's so bad, it's good. No, actually, uh, it's actually not a bad movie. We, we like Predator. We are fans <laughs> of the film Predator Two. Uh-huh. Um, Competently made. Although, you know, kind of goofy, but, like, you know, it's it's crazy. 
It's got a lot of things. It's got a lot going on enough for a commentary track. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Our uh, summer gamble came to a close last week. That was a that was a good recording, Abe. It was middle of the pack. Yeah. You know, can't complain. Yeah, not everyone could be winners, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> including me uh, for the seventh heart, year in a row. I did hurts. not win. <laughs> but, uh, but no, that was a lot of fun. We talked about all about the kind of the summer at the movies as well as who won our our you know the the big wager for the summer. Uh, so that's up now as well. And what else? Um, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. Helps out our show, helps other people find our show. If you want to log into iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can do just that. You can give us a star rating and a review. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> 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 that, that tends to be the quick follow-up you give. So I was just right. waiting for it. <laughs> I was right. distracted for a second. Thank you so much in advance. Stop watching football, Abe. You have a podcast where you can do that. I'm do- simultaneously doing a lot of things are you simultaneously <laughs> doing a lot of things yes okay oh multitasking machine all right not the best thing to do though okay vishnu keep your arms covered all right let's uh let's keep moving um let's get to some know everybody reach week we ask each other a question or two try to set the tone for the podcast we better get to know everybody <laughs> now that was simultaneous it was it wasn't bad word of the day simultaneous all right keep that hashtag in mind (laughs) all right uh i have a question for all you guys okay what is a horror franchise that could use a spin-off or one you'd like to see if if we're keeping track the conjuring has two separate spin-off series now at this point right hmm yeah i don't know um do you have any off the top of your head um, the one I thought mainly because I was thinking about movies like this or that deal with like, like using religion as a as a, like as a subgenre. Uh, Frailty came to mind and thinking, what would happen to the continuing adventures of a key character in, the, in Frailty? Because I don't want to give that away if people haven't seen the movie. Because it's great. <laughs> Maybe like Devil's Rejects, something like like a Rob Zombie universe might be fun. That's which is almost it almost kind of is given that it's like centers on a few of those characters from House of a Thousand Corpses. It's almost like it, I get that it's a sequel. It's like, it's, it's like an unofficial sequel, right? But like you follow the maybe extended members of the family. I mean, it, you follow Captain Spaulding and the, like it's the it's like the, the three main people you probably take away from the first one, I guess. So like it's yeah. A, yeah. I see what you're saying though, as far as yeah, there's more. There's more there. The like a giant hillbilly universe, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. You'd have to add like, what's the hills have eyes, and I was just kind of gross. Yeah, link, link them. <laughs> yeah. More nah. adventures of the uh, the Thorn Colt from the Halloween uh, Curse of Michael Myers. No, just what, no. What, what they're doing in the when they're not dealing with Michael Myers, <laughs> just what their day to day is. <laughs> End that now. <laughs> Did you speaking of? Did you see the reviews for Halloween and the Variety this morning? I've, I've no. heard, I'm avoiding these things. Uh, yeah, okay. I didn't I, say I, anything. I assume they're good. <laughs> Just yeah, it is good. It's bag? Oh, okay. No, it was good. They liked it. Poof. Glad to hear. That's what uh, I. I'm gonna say. Um, I need a horror spinoff franchise for the Muppets Take Manhattan to go through <laughs> with, like uh, Jason. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see what happens. I mean, it, it, so I guess you, you're turning you it want, into happy murders. You more but... want see so that and what that sounds like the biggest crossover of all time: the Friday the Thirteenth universe with the Muppet universe, where you get <laughs> the Muppets and Jason take Manhattan. Yeah. So the thing is, I'd see that. he's actually hunting the the Muppet uh, uh, puppeteers. 
and so it becomes like this this uh, uh you'd have to make it like a new nightmare type situation where it's it's a movie within a movie that seems like a better use of the title the happy time murders it does what can i say guys Pitch i'm striking comedy it. gold and movie gold today mm-hmm. thanks a lot sony green light it what's your question abe i have a question for you guys do you think that uh Vera Farmiga's sister is it pronounced Tasia? Taisa. Taisa. Do you think she's actually just a clone of Vera Farmiga? Yes, especially in the nun. Like she's getting closer and closer to, to her sister. Exactly. I, they I, look I just, identical. You know, they're like uh, twenty-one years apart, and they they look exactly alike. Obviously, they said they had the same parents, but this is getting on to that whole entire like Leonardo DiCaprio clone situation as well. It's like With Dana maybe Hall. Hollywood is actually just cloning people. <laughs> I agree. Conspiracy theory. What, and like super it. helpful to not have her play a younger version of her. It's just a separate character that happens to be like related. No, no, to her. I, I totally get that. And at first, I was wondering if they were gonna interlace it somehow and and say, "Oh, well, she grows up to be Vera Farmiga's character," but she doesn't. Well, I yes, but I feel like they should have tied it in somehow. Could have been her mother. They, they tied something. it in via slideshow presentation. Uh, yeah, blah. <laughs> Boy. There's also there's also an added bit of intrigue, right? Because the Conjuring characters are based on real people. Yeah, right. And everyone and, else, the and spinoffs the, aren't. Right, and the spinoff <laughs> movies are entirely works of fiction, right? So you have one sister playing a real person and the other person playing a fictional person. And they're simultaneously linked through a connected universe and yet not. <laughs> this will all make sense once we go to the Soul Dimension. I've got a headache. To Avengers 4 next year. I'm sure that'll it'll all connect. <laughs> all right. Uh, with all that out of the way, that's how you play. No, everybody. everybody. All right, let's move on. Let's get out of quickies. Trademark. Each week on Out Now, we have one main movie of the week that we talk about. Boys out of the movie, see the week. That's how it's going to be. And that is trademarked. I like how you went slow and built it up. Yeah, I, I pulled a Zack Snyder. I speed ramped. Um, <laughs> Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? Uh, I started watching uh, Uncle Drew, and when I saw the Pepsi... I, I, the Pepsi logo has makes it makes it to the credits. I was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. And then as you're watching the movie, you know it's clunky because you could tell that they had a lot of fun outtakes and probably improv. Um, and it it kind of just feels strange in terms of they're just doing all these interspersed scenes. But uh, it's actually kind of enjoyable so far. All right, can't wait to see actual basketball being played. <laughs> <laughs> He he's he's Uncle Drew has shown he can play, but they're gonna go recruit right now in DC, and that DC trip takes a long, long, weird uh, route. You gotta get Shaq in the picture, I assume somehow. So yes, exactly. That's exactly who they're going to go get. Okay. Uh, Kevin, have you seen any of the movies this week? I did. I saw Peppermint, um, which was terrible, and oh. Mandy, which was equally as terrible. So Peppermint's the, the Jennifer Garner action film, and Mandy yep. is the Nick Cage juggles chainsaw movie. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh-huh. For like one scene. It's just not what they, the trailer does not make it out to be what it is. Oh, okay. It's, it's okay, kind of like, yeah. he's wacky, but wacky in the second half, but it doesn't really fit with the first half. And most of it's in slow motion, so the movie could have been at least a half half an hour did you see uh, beyond, I, I, I did, fell asleep did you it see, was so boring did you see beyond the black rainbow the director's previous I, film i didn't because 
it looked weird. It is weird, and, and so that's, that's why, like, I'm. It's the same thing. It's it's super strange, very artsy, and then tries to veer off into crazy Nick Cage territory, but doesn't quite get there. It's just so long, and just dumb. It just doesn't make any sense. It's just, I don't know. I can't even describe it. It was not. I was a waste of my time. Right. And then I saw the nun right after. Oh. oh, so it was just like you just wasted your whole afternoon. It was no, my whole evening. Yeah, it was a bad thing. <laughs> I had wine as soon as I got to the theater for the nun. I'm like, give me some wine quick. <laughs> Mike, can, about you? can I ask a? a I have a question about sure. peppermint, real quick. Mm-hmm. Is uh, like, what makes it bad? It's literally, it's a script. It's terrible. It's like you could have just put it into a computer and said write dialogue, and it would have just spit out generic lines. Um, it's a little bit racist. Um, of course, you have the Mexicans shooting the white family. It, like, it got really uncomfortable. Yeah, that was my, my sense of things, and I was wondering, because I, I know it's getting terrible reviews, but I, I wanted a sense of how many of them are cluing into the fact that it's essentially a film about a white woman gunning down people of color in, in the name of justice. Yep. That and they throw well. in like there's a there's a there's a black FBI agent and there's a Hispanic police person, but and then they have you know a white guy who is might be not good might be not good, but you're right I got more and more uncomfortable and I was kind of sitting there thinking what was she thinking when she signed on to do this movie? Interesting. Yeah, it was. So weird. the level it's, of racism and guns is this American assassin or <laughs> less than American assassin? I didn't see American Assassin. Okay, Aaron, Aaron has had, had warned me how racist that movie was, and then I watched it and I just stopped. Like, I was like, "This is well, bad." Because yeah, it opens with it. <laughs> That's why. Like, <laughs> no, there was like one specific scene where I was just like, "Okay, this is a this is a very very extreme." If you turn it off at the beginning, it's because it opens with it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's duly noted. And it, I, I get what you're saying because I I did not see Peppermint, but I get what you're saying about. I mean the, I think the the thing you could say is like, well, if the movie was good beyond some of these sensibilities, then at least there's something there. But what I'm also hearing is that, especially for Pierre Morel, who I like as a director, like I like Take, and I'm a huge fan of District B13. It's like if the movie worked outside of some of its politics, then there might be something to say. But that's I'm also. And that- I'm also hearing that that's not, you know, working either as far as the action. That's the thing. It's like they don't do anything with it, but they bring up potential elements. Like it reminded me of The Legend of Billie Jean from the 80s, you know, um, where the whole country's behind her. And they start with a little social media stuff like that. And even at one point, she like goes on camera and says, everybody bring your phones down here, just like the big finale. You never see it. Mm. So they keep on like, wasting opportunities that would make it a little bit more interesting. It's just her running around blowing people away and cracking their arms and legs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah been there. <laughs> Mike, how about you? Have you seen anything else recently? Uh, last thing I saw was called Let the Corpses Tan. Oh, I saw that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure what to make of it. I'm still processing it. It's probably not good. I didn't like it either. Yeah, um, but I'm, I'm willing to be convinced that it has artistic merit. But on, on the on on the whole, it's a bit much. It's it's really unrestrained. And which, uh, uh, which film is this? It's a French film. It's called Let the Corpses Tan. I guess it's it's kind of a neo western thriller. The it, the guy who I always get it confused with Beyond the Black Rainbow, but there's another movie like that, um, Beyond the Gates. They that's the same people who did Beyond the Gates. Yeah, the co-directors. Yeah, so it's real artsy and 
Yeah, super artsy, super. So I guess strange. it's about uh, corpses taking a vacation to the south of France and getting. <laughs> it is totally. Uh, that would have been more interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a giant uh, standoff on this like villa between criminals and and some artists who are hanging out there, and it's it's just very uh, strange artsy film. Um, that and I saw Operation Finale. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, have you talked about that on the show? It's been out for I have, yeah, kind of briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I was. I wasn't either. It's it's tonally very inconsistent. It yeah. doesn't quite yeah work for me as a thriller, even though the performances are generally good, especially yeah. Ben Kingsley who plays Adolf Eichmann. I think it's at like a low sixty or so on Rotten Tomatoes, which is probably exactly where it needs to be. You know, it's like mm. probably, probably, arguably good, but definitely not great. Right? Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of like it cashes in on what Argo Munich and like a heist movie could all do in one and just yeah. fails to get to the highs of any of those types of things. It did. It did send me, however, on a Wikipedia rabbit hole to look up some <laughs> of the actual history on yeah. Eichmann. Uh, and I reread some of, uh, so Hannah Arendt, uh, has a very famous book called Eichmann in Jerusalem, which is on the trial. And so that wasn't for nothing. A lot of that was fascinating. No, more I, more I than agree. film. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That comes from a lot of biopics that I'm kind of like lukewarm on. We're like, well, at least I got to learn about something via other things that I could use beyond the film. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about it for me. Okay. I've seen a few things I want to make note of. Um, last night, Anna and I went to the Egyptian theater and saw The Blues Brothers, um, <laughs> which continues to be terrific. That movie is fantastic. We had a blast watching it. And it's it's a great musical. Like, I never, I you know, I, I acknowledge that there's, you know, musical numbers in it, but I, I never really thought of it as a straight, like, this is, like, in addition to being a comedy and, like, a road movie and, like, absurdist humor, it is, like, a straight musical. Like, there's at least, like, seven musical numbers in this movie. And it's so much fun. And, like, Belushi and Aykroyd are just so great together. And, like, even just watching them, like, do their dance it's not like that's so it's so much like it's so much joy to watch on screen like just the amount of like effort that went into this insane idea for a movie as far as the the basic plot of it and like how do we combine like so many different like uh, uh, r&b stars into like musical numbers slash cameos it's just great it was just great all the way through it was the blast was movie. there was there a theme at the cinematech like was it a aretha franklin tribute was, or yeah i think they scheduled it mainly because aretha franklin passed away um and so, yeah, that was, I think that was, like, the main reason why they put it there. Uh, John Landis was supposed to show up. He couldn't show up. They, like, got the wrong date or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it was it was a good time watching the Blues. But I haven't seen that movie in a while. Um, so it was good to you know, revisit. And, like, for two hours and 12, like, it's a long movie. But it's it's fun. Like, it's so much fun. That's a long out. movie for, yeah. like, yeah. For a, for for a the... Saturday Night Live comedy. <laughs> like, right. It's two hours yeah. and 12 minutes. What is this, Ladies Man? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know how long Ladies Man is. Uh, I I'm sure I probably like 75 minutes without credits. I've <laughs> <laughs> um, seen a couple other things I want to make note of. Uh, did anybody see Ghost Stories? I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. That's I, I mentioned this last the, week. Yeah, British film. Yeah, it came out on Blu-ray last week, VOD last week, and um, so I wanted to check it out because I want I've heard good things about it. This is one. It's a horror anthology film. Um, among others, Martin Freeman is one of the co-stars in it. And I don't want to tell too much about it because I do like it. I like it quite a bit, but I I, mm-hmm. I like how it's set. Like the you know when you see horror anthology films, sometimes the I guess the connective tissue between them can be hit or miss uh, compared to like the stories involved. And while there's an aspect that I'm not the biggest fan of as far as how it, things kind of conclude in the various segments, I do think it's effective in what it's doing. I think it's it kind of has 
a bit of a humorous streak in it, um, but it does have some legitimate scares also, and I, and I think it works well. I think the atmosphere is solid. I think the overall story it's telling, too, as far as, like as I said, the connective tissue, uh, it's neat. It's a neat kind of understanding of what's going on once you finally get to kind of the end point of this film. So I, no, I like mm. I like ghost stories quite a bit. That was yeah, yeah. Ditto on that. I feel like the, the setup is more gratifying than the eventual payoff. Agreed. But that's it's you know thumbs up. I just kind of wanted did Aaron maybe you and I talked about this briefly on Facebook, but that none of the stories had any endings though. Yeah, and and that bo- that bothered me a little bit because I was like, you have the opportunity to tell a complete story, and it just felt like they didn't know how to end anything, so they just stop it. I I would say I think they they knew what their end of the entire movie was first, and then worked backwards. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah, so like I and thinking of it, that, as I was thinking about it after the fact, I watched it. I was like, if I think of it that way more, I'm more satisfied of what it's trying to do overall. Because uh, yeah. even if I'm not like super satisfied of how it completely wraps up, I do think there's. There's a reveal that takes place where involving, I guess, Martin Freeman, where I'm like, oh, okay, I I like where this is going. I I, I like the there's a rug pull that happens. I guess that's that's effective enough. Yeah. And oh, I also saw the so um I don't know what RPG has been playing in theaters like all summer, and then right yeah, and then CNN was like, we're gonna play it on TV. So I'm like, okay, what? And so they so I DVR'd it. Damn, and I missed watched, it again. Watched uh, watched RPG. Um, this is the uh, the documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And it's yeah. it's good. Like it's it's a little surfacey. It doesn't quite go into some of the methods behind her thoughts on certain things and whatnot. It's more of like an overall look at this person's history. I think the most interesting stuff was actually her relationship with some of the other judges, including most notably Scalia, um, as far as how they're basically friends. They just happen to disagree on very specific things and. I, that's the kind of thing I wish it could have delved into more, not specifically with just Scalia, but just like the what it takes to be this kind of person in this kind of role and have certain opinions and how that works against or for certain things. Like I, I but you know, as far as like a picture of who this person is and like how it's how they represent things in pop culture and what have you, I think you know it's a, it's a good enough doc. Um, okay, yeah. I'm surprised that aired on CNN. I would have thought they would try to avoid like allegations of liberal bias. I mean, I mean they aired it <laughs> when the when, yeah. the when the Scalia documentary comes out and they air it, then you can you know, they'll find a bit right. of right? <laughs> Produced by Dinesh D'Souza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, that's all our quickies. Jim, let's move on now. Let's get to our let's get to our first of two reviews. Uh, let's talk about the Nun. I had a series of visions when I was younger. And after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? I saw none. Word of my visions reached the church, and I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania. The abbey has a long history. Here. That should have been some of the trailer for The Nun. I will say right now that, uh, Mike, you have not seen The Nun as of yet, correct? I have not. Okay, so you, you will recuse yourself from this review as we kind of get into it. 
But let's get into it. The, uh, here's The Nun, the uh, spinoff from the sequel to The Conjuring, which has already featured another spinoff that's then received its own prequel. That may sound confusing, but don't worry about it. This is the latest entry in The Conjuring universe, or The Conjurverse. Uh, it's set the furthest back in time yet and focuses on a demon nun haunting an abbey in Romania. Damien Bashir and Thaisa Farmiga star as the priest and a novice sent by the Vatican to investigate. As it turns out, there's plenty of evil lurking in this abbey. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, um, I was bored out of my mind. Um, my problem with it is that the story is not that interesting. Um, even when they tie it up at the end, um, which for a moment I was like, oh, that's interesting how they bring it back to the first Conjuring movie. But then I was like, I don't really care. So and and I think we just talked about earlier is you you're casting Thaisa Farmiga, you could have linked her in an interesting way. I understand that you know Warren is a real person, but they've gone so far beyond reality in any of the stories that they're trying to show. I mean, Conjuring Two, that story was not even close to what the story was originally. So I feel like you I'm, could I'm very have... far past like considering Conjuring is like oh it's good because of the fact that it's based off a true story. I'm, I'm not really exactly. concerned myself with that. Exactly. So then, then like, I guess, I mean, it's, I don't, I can't, I, minor spoilers, but like you want, I kind of expected Taisa Formiga as a nun or to be nun to end up being the scary nun, but the kind of scary nun just kind of exists already. We don't really even get that much of an origin except some weird little backstory that they have with somebody trying to raise a demon up. But I just felt like there was a more of an interesting story to tell. It's just very generic, very generic scares, a lot of slow motion reaching out to something, and then somebody grabs you from a, behind a dark door and pulls you backwards. Abe, what are your thoughts on The Nun? Much like what Kevin's saying, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not the most interesting movie. I think that uh, I was I was also bored throughout it. I kept on trying to find some gems within it. And where I found the gems were uh, early on some of Damien Bashir's acting, and then I also found some visual things very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Also, some camera work kind of kind of kind of cool. But as far as the story goes, the story feels like it. It I think maybe I was kind of expecting much more of a of an October type movie where they're they're a little bit more focused on the scares. And in this one, because they're in the Conjuring universe, they kind of try and focus on some of the the true life aspects of it too and then they also try and go in a different direction with some kind of comedy relief with like this french canadian guy and then they also go with some almost like national treasure type thing where you're going for a hunt on something because there's all of a sudden sequences a a flashback sequence of of the the wars back in like uh, 1812 or whatever in England, maybe even early on with like the Crusades. Um, oh, yeah, it's Crusades because so, it's like pulled out of like Bram Stoker at that point. Like that's what it feels like. Yeah, so it, it you know they they kind of went all over the place trying to make this movie and trying to get it uh, uh, neat and orderly so it could fit up to, I guess, what is the first Conjuring movie. But in in on the surface of it, it's not very interesting. I don't think that there was really a whole lot of the nun that was featured uh, mm-hmm. on the poster. So it's kind of a bummer that, uh, again, like what Kevin had said, it's just a, uh, they conjured up something uh, and it, <laughs> it exists there, right? So it, it's right. it's not even as as a uh, you know strange as okay, well this nun kept praying and then all of a sudden 
she <laughs> decided that it just wasn't worth it or whatever the case is. It's just as simple as, well, I opened up this portal to hell and something came through and it takes the form of, of uh, something that you, that you, uh, it preys on your, uh, uh, what do we call it? Your spiritualness or whatever the case is. But, you know, kind of some neat concepts, um, not really that great of an execution, and on the whole, it just uh, felt very uh, clunky. I think my problem is that there's no stakes in this movie. I mean, you have, like, basically three people. Like, that's it. So it's like there's not much risk of losing somebody because there's only so many people to have to take account of. They're <laughs> probably not going to, like, eliminate certain people right away. Um, so it it just ends up feeling like what's what's the problem exactly beyond evil exists so it's because it's like it's not like she's going anywhere it's not like the nun's getting out for some reason right. i don't know why i don't know why the nun's confined to this abbey um, mm-hmm. it seems like it'd be easy to escape the abbey it's all, it's all the crosses around the abbey <laughs> i guess um but like that it's a it's a combi- combination of that like i don't know what's at risk beyond evil continuing to exist in this one remote place in romania and it's the kind of mainstream horror thing of we don't need to generate atmosphere. We can just generate a lot of jump scares. And that's what this does, um, which is a shame. Like, I, I think there was potential here to make a better movie. I told Abe, I've told you, I think the trailer for the nun is fantastic. I think it does a great job of setting up exactly what you need for this movie. Cause it just uses one scene, which is in this film and it's fine. Sure. It's just also yeah. like the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh iteration of that same type of scare where, you know, camera pans away, camera pans back, there's something behind you, and then eventually something else happens. Like, that can be effective a couple times, but I wish there was a movie that would really utilize the atmosphere you have, which seems inherently simple because it's set in Romania, it has big castles it's using, but the insides of these castles look terrible, or at least not as neat as like the ex- exterior so the exterior stuff i think is really cool like as far as seeing these these very gothic locations seeing the graveyard just seeing the sites of romania its country like i thought that stuff was worked really well when you get inside it just doesn't feel as effectively scary it feels more obviously scary and i've talked about this before where it's like well of course it's evil look at how this is shaped it's supposed to be evil. like it doesn't feel like it, it's not right it's not naturally coming out of you um, in some way that like could be construed as evil, it just looks like a thing that's designed to be evil no matter what. So it's like, okay, that's not really, it's not really atmosphere. It's like it's manufactured atmosphere, and I just sure there's nothing there that really excites me as far as the potential of this. Because like, okay, I get where everything's going to happen because it's going to be the same thing over and over again, which it is just jump scare, jump scare, jump scare, and you know, big music, big music, big music. And I agree that Demi Bashir and Farbig, I think they're doing a good job performance wise. And I can appreciate the comic relief thing to an extent, just because it's like, okay, it's not so dour. I just wish it went bigger on that. I wish it was like an even bigger gothic horror film or a bigger like hammer horror tribute. And it's not either of those things. It like sets up the potential to be those things and then just kind of dumps it aside to be just a generic jump scare machine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And I didn't even think that jump scares were effective. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say the same thing. I was like, you know, for for me not liking a lot of you know, jump scare movies and horror movies kind of in general. I had an okay time watching this because I, (laughs) the reason why I think the other movies like the conjuring or maybe even insidious stuff that James Wan has directed, um, works is because you have more to work with, meaning you have more, 
uh, more quote unquote enemies to work with, right? You know, it's it's either uh, somebody from your past haunting you, or it's like some weird demon that just wants your baby, or whatever the case is. In this case, it's just one nun, and you know that this one nun is the only thing that's going to appear in this movie. Uh, so you can kind of expect it. And like what Aaron was saying, though, you don't really get a like once you've seen one scare or something like that. It's the same thing. Well, and like it's... the longer you see the nun, the goofier she becomes. Like it's <laughs> it's not it's not a it's not scary to continually see this the the face of the nun and be oh, like for oh sure. no, it's just more of yeah. like oh that's what she looks like I guess big old fangs. It, be, it and becomes eyes. it <laughs> becomes like Vera Farmiga's clone versus Marilyn Manson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah that's true so it's like seeing her walk in the background or whatnot like that can, and that's why it works so well in conjuring too that's why this has a spin-off that this movie exists because it's so effective in doses like that painting right. in conjuring too that's memorable i can remember that and like see that as something like okay that's yeah that, that again as a, a piece of imagery that stands out to me here it's like sure. if that's the only thing we're fa- yeah so i get what you're saying as far as single adversaries and even like she's right, a shapeshifter exactly. too like that's the other thing and it doesn't really play around with all of that that much i mean it tried to but <laughs> they they just did a, a bad job of kind of gluing the pieces together because there's you know there's there's some like mind trickeration going on in this movie but they don't <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't as cool as it could have been and i'm not even asking for like a cool scary movie or whatever you're the case is. You're like, asking you, for something you, you, more you, you, effective. And I think you, you mentioned that when you mentioned James Wan. I think what works about not just the fact that he has multiple things going on, but I think him as a director, he knows how to handle places that aren't necessarily inherently scary. I think the con- the house in The Conjuring and the house in The Conjuring, especially The Conjuring too, actually, because it's just like a random house in England. It's... They're not they're not places that you think of as being typically scary. It's something like something I love about the first Insidious is that when they get into that big house, it's so obviously a haunted house. They're like, <laughs> "Nope, this is bad. Let's move." And they move. They move to a new house. They move. <laughs> and yeah, that's, and that's kind of brilliant that they do that. This one is just like, "All right, you're embracing the idea that you have this big gothic castle to work with, but you don't do much with it." Like, I that's glad of what I wish it was the most. Like, For it, sure. was, it was. A, I wish it was just bigger and broader in a way that fits the type of movie it's trying to be. But it doesn't really yeah. take on that genre of being like a gothic horror or, a, as I said, a hammer horror movie. It's just, yeah. it's just a kind of generic horror movie happens to be set in Romania. For sure, and I, I again want to shout out that the fact that James Wan does so good, or he does such a great job with his spacing of visual, visual spacing of the setting of the movie. So you actually, or you know where everything is. And this one, yeah, it's a giant castle, but. I, you know, the the graveyard didn't look like it was actually attached to the castle. There are some parts <laughs> where they are sleeping, but that doesn't look like it's actually a part of the castle either. You know, I was expecting, like, bombed out, like, roofs or whatever the case is, just because of what you had seen from the overhead shot. But, you know, you, you don't really get a sense of how big or how vast or where any of these characters really are in relation to the other characters. Well, let's talk about this Conjuring verse a bit before we kind of start wrapping these up because I think there's only so much we could say about how yeah. bad the nun is. Kevin, are you are you a fan of the this this universe? For the most part, yes. Um, you know, I didn't like the first Annabelle. Um, I, li- I love the prequel to Annabelle, which was a prequel in itself. But I do like it. I think, you know, I love horror movies and I, I don't mind a good jump scare as long as it's effective um, and not just cheap. And I do think sometimes James Wan hits you over the head a little bit with stuff that just clearly you know for example i always bring this up is in the first conjuring at one point somebody goes into a room and some demon thing jumps off the top of a boudoir and you're like why is it up there (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, it's just like, I'm going to hide. Hold on. And it sneaks up there. It's just stupid. But I do think that they're very effective. I think the acting is always, you know, rises above the material. And you're right. You said that, you know, he creates... All the characters have their own issues and their own demons and their own backstories that kind of feed into the horror movie aspect or the you know the the regular plot of it. Mm-hmm. So I like all that stuff, but I just wish that they would. I kind of wish that they would stop throwing in extra stuff into their movies, in hopes of doing a spinoff. Because mm-hmm. even the nun in Conjuring Two, I was like, why is this in? It's scary, but why is it here? And then the other thing, the the, the the tall spindly guy that's the, now the crooked his own, man, yeah, crooked man. Which I when I saw it, I'm like, this is going to be a spinoff, and it was effective. But again, I was like, why is this in this movie? I don't understand what this has to do with anything. So I kind of wish they would go away from that and just do a solid horror movie without the extraneous stuff. See, I I could I could say I don't actually mind the idea of doing spinoffs from the because I like that the the wards have like this back room full of like cinematic yeah. spin-off ideas essentially like they have yeah. they have a back room with a chalkboard that says okay we can make movies out of this <laughs> like, but and cause, because because what is this what is this be- cabin in the woods exactly because ideally you can make a, a variety of different kinds of horror movies like like my expectation for this movie uh was that it would be a fun like gothic horror film it fails at that but like that was like my hope and that's the same kind of thing i think of any number of these things that the warrants happen to have it can make its own universe based off of look at all the different kinds of horror we can make sadly yeah. yeah it's you know you have the first annabelle in this movie that are i think quite bad but something like annabelle creation is a lot of fun that's my favorite that's i like that more than both of the conjuring movies so it's like yeah it is possible <laughs> to make this work so i, I yeah. guess i just have to wait for the nun prequel to to be a better version of this Oh god, they're not going to do another one, are they? It made fifty-three million dollars. I don't know. <laughs> oh, the nun prequel is just going to be them in like ancient times. <laughs> yeah, it's true, unless yeah, there's you... a sequel that they can do. Maybe it it gets out before. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you Again, can do the whole story of her. You know how it. I'm not going to say how it ends, but that that whole thing could be its own movie. I suppose for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, any, um, any other thoughts on the nun? I mean, again, just to, just to throw on a few positives, I mentioned that visually I, I thought I thought some cool or I thought some stuff was cool, um, and it was kind of just more uh, some. It was a cool shadow effect that they did that kind of leads up to uh, a mirror thing, and I kind of like the way that uh, they they did some of the the lights out sequences, uh, not the movie lights out, but just how they <laughs> snuck out some lights in in the movie to give some atmosphere as. Something that's coming down a hallway or whatever the yeah, case there's, is. There's but, some subtle things I think that work. Like there's like when you see like crosses turning upside down in the background, it's like okay, that's neat because it's like it's setting a mood. Like it's like because it's, sure. it's and it's unknown to the person you're watching, so it's like okay, that's that's clever. Or like there's a whole sequence involving characters with or like I guess. I don't know, spirits, whatever you want to say, with, like, bags over their heads, and I'm like, that, more, yeah. more of that imagery. That's that's right. that's interesting to me. That That is something that feels scary, because I don't know what that's going to be. Like, that's... Right. And it's like, it just doesn't But even beyond, like, that jump scare it. stuff, or where you know something's going to happen, there was actually a, a pretty cool shot where it's, like, an overhead, and and uh, Tasia Farmiga is kind of just praying with some other folks, and then there's a, a, a cool effect that happens in oh, that yeah. shot. Yep. I was like, see, this is visually very interesting, but, um, you know, beyond that, it, it just doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, agreed. All right. I think we've talked plenty about The Nun. When should people go and see this movie? Kevin? 
never. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you really, really have to see it because, like, you're a completist, like I. I mean, I. I went to see it. I knew it was going to be terrible, but I would say definitely just Netflix is fine. Abe. Yeah, I I go even a little bit lower than that. I think I think it's kind of one of those things where you can watch it on TV with commercials. <laughs> Yikes! You, you do can, people still do that? Some people do it when they're doing laundry. TNT or... soon enough. Yeah, <laughs> you can wait for the the HBO live broadcast of this movie. I think live broadcast, <laughs> the premiere, the the Saturday night premiere yeah. events of the not live. <laughs> <laughs> no, they shoot it live. They just they film the screen, <laughs> broadcast it. All right, that, that's plenty. Of, that's plenty to talk about the nun. Let's uh, let's move on to our next review. Let's make sure Mike's still here. Mike, you there? I'm back. Okay, let's do it then. Let's get to our other review for Searching. We'll handle the ground investigation, but as a parent, you can help us with who your daughter talks to. Is that something you can do? Yes. Do you mind answering some questions for me to help? Did Sierra eat lunch alone? On Thursday? Every day. You don't think she's involved with anything serious? I know my daughter. We're not really that close. She has friends, right? Kind of. Why did you invite her to study group? I'm trying to get into Berkeley next year. When was the last time you saw her? She did not run away. Local team has been missing since last Thursday. She made a transaction of $2,500. I know my daughter. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Searching. Uh, while not the first to utilize this format, the film Unfriended paved the way for more mainstream attempts at screen life films, which I believe is the kind of the name for this subgenre. Ones that visually take place from computer screens, smartphones, and other devices. Searching is the newest release for this subgenre, originally debuting with lots of audience approval at the Sundance Film Festival. John Cho stars as a recently widowed father to a 16-year-old girl who goes missing. The rest of the film follows his attempts to find her by digging through her laptop and discovering a lot that he did not know about her. Mike, what do you think of Searching? I liked it. Actually, no, it's possibly my favorite film of the summer. Um, I mean, bearing in mind that I have a particular fondness for really solid genre thrillers, I presume that's all of us. Um, it's like you say, that the gimmick has been used before. I'd never heard the phrase uh, screen life, but it's been used before, let's say, to questionable success. It does seem to pop up primarily in horror and genre, uh, thriller genres. Um, like the Unfriended movies. Uh, there's also a really terrible film with Elijah Wood. I think it's called Open Windows. I don't know if any of yeah, y'all saw the that. Nacho Vigolando film, yeah. It's bad, yeah. Mm. Um, this one, I'd say, th- so even though it's not the first to do this, it's certainly, I think, the best. It's remarkable how successfully the film is able to kind of keep it cinematic and engaging while ostensibly keeping us focused on just a computer screen. Now, they achieve this by like zooming in on certain sections of the screen and guiding our eyes, which I suppose you could argue is a cheat because it intervenes in the supposed objectivity of just seeing the drama play out on a computer. But like, damn, if it isn't effective. I think this is a really, really solid thriller. Uh, its emotional beats are really authentic, and it's just it's very nicely done. And given how obviously low budget this is as well, I think that's... Uh, that's just all the more praiseworthy. Kevin, where, where are you at with searching? Um, I agree. I, I will say that I've actually, I don't remember it that much. Um, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I was entertained while it was on, and I did like how it was a little bit different, like you said, between, you know, you've seen Untrended, and they really do just shove the computer screen there, and you have to follow 
the whole thing yourself. And this, they made it, they did make it more, more cinematic. I thought that was really effective. It did kept, keep me guessing. I wasn't able to figure it out, um, which I thought was good too. So I was into it. The only thing I think the drawback for me, I didn't think John Cho was that effective. He was playing the same character he played in the Exorcist TV series in a way. Mm. Um, there's just something about him that I don't totally buy. He kind of, he hits, he hits a level and stays there. He doesn't, it's not as layered as I would like it to be. So it bothered me a little bit, or he just kind of bugged me a little bit, but I liked it. I just don't remember it that well. When did, did you see it a while ago? Is that what? I saw it like the week before it came out. Okay. So that's almost a like month a, ago at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I remember other movies like, you know, Annihilation. Fair enough. Yeah. Example. So I've, I've seen, Anna and I saw it a while back as well. So yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Abe, how about you? You know, I like this movie, too. I think that there's actually a lot of cool stuff that they do, uh, even if it is a cheat. Um, and by that, I mean certain situations where he'll have, like, a work meeting and then the camera will still be on kind of thing. Um, but still, it's very cool and clever concept, the way that they executed it and the way that they <laughs> basically created a fake high school, which is the home of the catfish, which I don't know why anyone would ever choose a catfish to be your mascot. Uh, and then they have <laughs> We're not something like that. at this point, either. <laughs> Yeah, and like Silicon Valley Police Department, uh, which was a clever way to avoid having to like, you know, ask anyone if they could be in the movie kind of thing with because they live in San Jose. Um, They use a lot of the news broadcasters, though. They, uh, I think those are maybe a couple of them, but then a few of them that are like prevalent, real. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So. But um, I think as far as the movie goes, yeah, it's a really cool thing that keeps you guessing. I had three quarters of it, I'm proud to say, um, and then I didn't get the last quarter, but uh, still, that's that's not a passing grade. Um, I would also say that um, as the movie goes, um, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, you, you see it in the trailer and you've heard John Cho kind of saying, which is like, oh, I didn't know my daughter, yada, yada. By the end of the movie, you kind of still don't know Mm -hmm. her that well and i think that's kind of a detriment because what happens like you find out some some really good things about her and it's never really you know uh brought back up or really cases i mean you've seen this in the trailer too it's like oh well you know what i hung out with her but she kind of ate lunch by herself all the time it's like you know there's some stuff here that i think needs exploring beyond that beyond the surface level stuff yeah, if you want to if you want to map it on to like an Asian household, yeah, it's kind of tough to talk about. Asians hate talking about our our, our feelings. Um, and the the most like non Asian like thing about it was that you have Asian people <laughs> walking in their houses with shoes on. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I was like, John Cho, come on, what's going on here? Uh, and then lastly, I think that um, they did some really really cool stuff with uh, Windows XP. Um, and that mom takes a lot of copious notes. All right. Um, <laughs> I, you're mentioning the characters. Actually, I think the mom is the character that gets the most development. Um, no, no, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of saying that it's, it's just more on the daughter. I understand that. But what I'm going to say is that I think the oh. mom gets the most development. I think that's on purpose because I think the other two characters, you're not really given a chance to, uh, to learn more about them. Uh, because you're set in within a day, like you know, or like within a within a, a certain span of time, where it's not really about learning who these people are. Where you can only do so much of that. You have to focus on kind of them in this intense scenario, specifically John Cho, where you're not going to get 
a giant like reading of who this guy is. You just have to see him act at, basically at his worst as he's trying to figure this thing out. Where the mom, you get a whole up like opening sequence that kind of gives you everything you right. need to know about who she is, um, who she cares about with as far as John Cho and her daughter. And like, I mean, you mentioned like the copious note taking that speaks to who this person is. Um, sure. Which I think was really effective because it gets you already inside of this family um, as far as where it's going uh, once you know the thing really kicks into gear and as far as that aspect of it goes i think this would get like the the hitchcock like nod as far as how clever it's handling its setup and plotting and twists and turns i think it's an effective thriller for those reasons i think it um it's easily the best use of this format that i've seen um i really think the direction is quite good as far as not just like putting screens in places but like how it how the camera moves around those screens, how it effectively utilizes the certain things like te- like the little bubbles and texting and stuff like that, like just the way it delays suspense or emphasizes certain scenes as far as whose face is on the screen and how the camera moves around the screen to show that. I think all these those, those all those things make it really, really interesting and really engaging. The end, I think, is stumbles a bit as far as how far it needs to go to reveal everything that's taking place. But overall, though, I still think it's really effective. Can I can I chime in on a couple things? So one sure. uh, detail, just anecdotally, I have a friend who works for Sony Home Entertainment, and they're currently working on the packaging for the DVD release. <clears throat> and apparently, one of the things they're doing because, so from what I understand, all the text and all the the you know Facebook pages that we see throughout the film. Apparently, it's just chock full of Easter eggs. Now, usually these things, you know, when you yeah. have lists of names, they're they're probably friends of the filmmakers and things like that. They get a shout out. But um, so no surprise there. But what they're apparently doing is they're using After Effects to go in and digitally change all the text into foreign languages for the various international markets, huh. which is kind of interesting. Right. Um, I wanted to. So that's that's neither here nor there. But uh, I wanted to kind of build on this idea of the mom. Because I think the film has some pretty effective emotional payoffs, in addition to being a pretty well-crafted thriller. Because, like you say, it opens with this montage, and I, I don't think it's a spoiler. The mother has a terminal illness and passes away, and it owes a lot to the opening montage of Up. And it does mm-hmm. a pretty good job, thereby, uh, of uh, setting up a lot of the emotional stakes that don't just establish why father and daughter are a little bit emotionally estranged. Sure. But it also becomes a pretty important structuring mechanism throughout the rest of the film because the mother isn't just a character that they do away with just to set up these characters with the past trauma. But the computer screen format allows her to be an ever-present character throughout the film because she's present through video files and old pictures, etc. And in particular, there's a moment that plays out in an important way. I'm not going to give it away, but it, it regards like he, he's, he has a hesitation toward telling his daughter that your quote-unquote your mom would be very proud of you mm-hmm. and that i think really pays off uh, so so it is a film that's anchored in some pretty good writing um when it comes to the emotional beats of the character and i think this works not in spite of the very gimmicky format of the film's visual presentation but it also works because like the computer grammar is that we've become so accustomed to is put to the service of keeping yeah. this mother character very much alive throughout the film, if that makes For sense. For sure. And her presence is also felt just, you know, uh, when he has to go and continuously, like what Aaron was mentioning, you know, she's important because of her notes. And so you have to go back and click into her profile and whatever the case is. I also want to mention that 
for a movie like this, I'm glad that they didn't have the message of the internet is bad um, and it's dangerous out there for kids. Um, it's actually more centered around the characters and, and this family, right? And so I was appreciative of that. Um, yeah, because you know you've lazy. seen it's not it's not yeah, lazily just putting exactly because you've over seen everything. those movies directed by you know Gus Van Sant or whatever the case is of like oh well you know what you're gonna get catfished all the time and you know this and this and this and or you know Assassination Nation that's gonna come out later it seems like it's about you know doxing or whatever the case is and I I think we all kind of know that <laughs> uh, it can be a very dangerous rough place on the internet so this one. I'm glad that it kind of subverted my expectations uh, of where it was going to go. Yeah, I think the film tries to present itself as being maybe a little technologically neutral because it, it does contain some commentary on our technologically mediated lives, right? Social media in particular has is, has this double-edged aspect to it because the fact that the daughter can escape into chat rooms is part of what is exacerbating her estrangement from the world, but it's arguably... So it's arguably what gets her into trouble to begin with, but it's also the very mechanism that makes it possible to search for her, right? So I think sure. it, it the, the film doesn't remain fully neutral throughout because even though it does take moments to focus on the capricious aspects of social media, um, on the whole, it's it's pretty technology positive, I feel like. Yeah, I no, I definitely agree. I, I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, hey, by the way, uh, technology has helped me Help, especially for the father who's helping in the, in the investigation. You know, he's putting all these clues together in order to inform the detective. So I, I think that it is technology positive. I guess, uh, you know, just to elaborate a little bit more, it, when he's going to go to the chat site, I was glad that it wasn't one of those like, okay, cool. Well, it's actually just you know, kids chatting. It wasn't something that was like sexual in nature or whatever the case is. Yeah, he doesn't take deep dives into like the depraved deep web or anything like that. It's just it's all based on consumer websites. Yeah, right. And so that's that's kind of it grounds it in a yeah, in, in kind of like a, a more neutral type thing. I have a question for you guys. Did you guys think that it was strange to have a detective kind of call you via uh, FaceTime? Uh, I mean, John yeah, a little bit. One note throughout. There's a couple of missteps. Uh, my my big complaints, without giving away any details, there are moments when he stumbles across images or information online that raises his suspicions, or he finds a picture of someone who shouldn't be there, right? And the camera, quote-unquote camera, lingers on that just a little too long to hammer home the significance of what he's found long after we in the audience have picked up on it. So I don't know if that was a director's choice or if it was a studio note, but I wish the film had just a tad more confidence in its audience. Mm. Um, it's a minor quibble. I think the problem for me there is more in the presentation of the visual information, not in the plot developments themselves, because even if they are a bit contrived, I mean, it's a thriller, so these genre elements do eventually pop into place. And on the whole, they're they're generally pretty satisfying. I think that, that's uh, the kind of thing that does feel like a, a note or like something that takes taken away from like test screenings where you have some people that don't exactly, pick up right. on certain things because something wasn't presented long enough. So it's like, okay. And mm -hmm. because you have so much, I mean, I assume hours of footage of these kinds of things or ways you can re-edit something. It's like, all right, I can do a little bit more to stretch this out a bit or what have you. I think, but I mean, on the, on the whole, that strategy, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't say I found too much of a problem with how much lingering there was. The only, the, the only major issue I had in presentation was again, I think, I think the end is very exposition heavy as far as I'm not just now understanding how things happen, but I'm being told a lot 
of how things happen as opposed to just kind of organically learning it. I mean, because it, it has elements of that where you are revealed things visually, but then you have certain characters speaking to like every single aspect that lays out everything that goes on as far as why things happen the way they do. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah, and the last act also switches to a lot of like news footage where news anchors are like, let's recap the events of this, you know, this <laughs> whirlwind couple of weeks. And so they're right. giving you a lot of exposition to, to wrap it up. Yeah. I do yeah. like, you know, I, I, I do like the kind of subplots that form in a film like this that's so focused where which is mainly kent to the kind of the fringes of the computer screens things like john cho being like this weird like kind of him becoming like a meme and becoming like the the yeah i I wanted to get to that too the, the main um the, the people on the outside of this thinking of him as probably the person that did it like that becomes like a thread that goes on and like that you see like, like kind of like the side of the screen is like yeah people like reacting on various social media players saying dad did it hashtag that like that's like I right like, so it's like it's neat to see how the film can in addition to being a very focused thriller have these kind of because of the format it's choosing to present itself in find other ways to tell a story Right. I I think that I really like that criticism of the internet culture as well, which is not so much about, you know, the dad meme or or the hashtag. It's kind of just more of like thoughts and prayers or whatever the case is and hope you find it soon and a whole bunch of like uh, uh, emojis. Um, And then also the exploitation of it. Yeah, the exploitation of it from people at her school, which was uh, somebody who claims to be a good friend and then all of a sudden now, you know – She's thinking that it, it, she's kind of crying on camera, saying that it, it was her best friend, kind of thing, and and then some guy just being like, you know, I, I, I'm just a good guy. I just wanted to help out. It's like, you know, you probably should have helped out earlier, or whatever the case is. But um, I really like that that um, that dig at how quick the internet is to react to things and or judge. I mean, a great example is something that happened this past week, which is. Uh, Mac Miller passed away, uh, and he's like this rapper uh, out of Pittsburgh, and a flood of of you know congratulations, or I'm sorry, not congratulatory remarks, but like um, you know we'll see you soon kind of remarks from a slew of people who probably never even listened to his music kind of thing, and it was a bummer. So you know it's got its pros and its cons, but I was glad that searching kind of made that. The other thing I wanted to point out was I you guys have mentioned that you know the thrill aspect of it. I really like the way that they had structured it so that you do have these clues on his computer. You're kind of looking all over the place on his uh, interface, um, whether it was his call history on the FaceTime or um, just all the other various screens that are open. So it, it was cleverly done. An aspect I appreciate about that is that you you see a lot of movies where there are text conversations that like just start between like best friends. And it's like, what they, yeah. they haven't ever talked before before this time. This is a film that very much acknowledges like, yeah, there's a whole, it uses that to its advantage as far as it, it's basically it's visual exposition. It's showing you something without having to directly explain. It's like, yeah, this guy's been searching a lot or he's been doing a lot of this thing, or he's needed to go through a lot of channels to get to this point in it. And it's all conveyed through the windows he has open in the background or the regular, the, the text history or the FaceTime history and stuff like that. So yeah. it, it covers its bases uh, quite well. For sure. Yeah. Especially when it goes to like Chrome history. I was like, Oh, that was, that was well done. Um, now, uh, Kevin, you, you, you weren't the biggest fan of John Cho. That's what you're saying. He was, you know, he's fine. Like, I don't mind him. I just felt like I'd seen him play this character before and it felt a little one note, but the other comments, and I'm trying. I've been trying to figure out how to say this, because I don't want to, and to. I don't want spoilers or anything. But 
when you cast certain people in a movie, you know they're going to be more important than they seem to be when you're watching the movie. Do you know what I I'm saying? I got you. Yeah. And, you're, talking and so about, that, you're talking about the, uh, yes. the remake of uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Sure. Aaron knows what I'm talking about. Well, as far as having <laughs> you know, b- bigger actors in certain roles. Yeah. Well, I think, exactly. I think, yeah, Roger Ebert, I think, called that the law of character economy or something yeah, like that, which yeah. is when you have a major actor in a seemingly unimportant role, yeah. that's... that's uh, that's kind of like I hear you what you're saying, remember? and I feel like anyone that's seen this movie knows what we're talking about. But anyone that hasn't seen this movie might be trying to piece things together. I would just add to that: there's only so many characters. I don't think the actors here are major like actors beyond like, oh, this is the this is what this indie movie was able to get. And it's not like the main characters we see are unused until a point. I mean, they're present throughout. No, I know, but there was like, why would somebody want to take on this role? Would be my question. And mm. that's why it kept on running through the back of my head through the whole movie. And You know, I you think know. the simple answer is to try and get on a Law & Order SVU. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that person is already in a show that's the exact same character, isn't it? I, now I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, said, said actor or actress is on a TV show where she plays a similar character. So it's Is not a stretch. I, I don't watch yes. enough TV. Yeah, I think it's okay. still on the air too. I believe you. Yeah, but um, I get so, you. No, know, it can't be on the air because she's on something else. But yeah. Well, so so we're all tiptoeing around. Uh, you know, we're playing pronoun games and everything. But um, <laughs> apropos to this, there is one reveal that really did not work that well for me. Um, which is because we all know what we're talking about. It involves learning that someone in the film has committed a crime even though there is an incriminating photograph of that person, and it's like the first hit on a Google search. Do you know what I'm referring to? Now I know what you're referring to, yes. Yeah, it seems like a giant uh, plot hole there. Or maybe like uh, a character, not a I plot can, hole, but yeah, a character. Like a character would, would, yeah. is a major oversight on the part of the, the person who's done this thing. Sure, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. let me ask you guys about this then. What is the repeat, re- repeatability factor of watching this movie? That's a good question. Because um, I, I, to me, I don't think it's very high. Um, no. And as someone that really appreciates a lot of horror movies and thrillers that I've watched many, many times, I, I did think I have some kind of like thought on like, oh, would I want to watch this again? And like, I don't say I wouldn't say I'm never going to see Searching ever again, but at the same time, I I don't feel a necessarily a need to be like I need to revisit this film to make sure I got everything again because I think the third act does so much to explain everything. It's like, well, what else am I going to learn <laughs> seeing Searching? Again. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't well, watch it again. I feel like maybe narratively, like once its surprises are known to you, it it'll be kind of a drag. But I'm also looking at it from the perspective of like. Whenever I see a film, what what utility does this film have for me in a classroom environment? Mm. And so I feel like it might be a useful tool in kind of looking at how framing um, can effectively guide your eyes and and uh, convey information for sure. Mm-hmm. In for that sure. way, I mean that that might be an interesting exercise. And there may be that that doesn't have to involve the whole film, but just there may be particular moments upon rewatching where I think like, yeah, what they do here is really just clever from uh, yeah. just a filmmaking perspective. I right? agree with you. Cause I think that there's actually, uh, 
when they're looking up like CC footage, you know, there's probably there were clues in that that I should have caught on to, which I didn't, and I was kind of bummed out that I didn't. Um, but you know, to your point earlier, I think there's like in terms of repeatability factor, I don't think that it's crazy high either. I think that there's a, it's kind of more of what Mike was talking about with Easter eggs. Did you guys notice Timur uh, Timur Bekmetov's, uh name in the Spotify playlist of like upcoming artists at the end? I no. no, no. Yeah, it was like at the far top right corner. I was like, "Why is he up there?" So, uh, but it, it was you know, there's some clever stuff all throughout, I, I suppose. But um, uh, I think it's I think because I agree with Aaron 100. percent The exposition in the third act kind of just um, it doesn't really leave a whole lot to the imagination or to missed clues or whatever the case is. Um, one thing we, I think, Abe, you kind of tiptoed not tiptoed but you kind of touched on briefly was that this film is i mean it's a film about an asian family um and it doesn't emphasize that which i think is you know important yeah i don't think that it had to either right of course it didn't need to no but i there is something admirable about a film like that that can work that i mean it works this way it's currently making money at the box office again uh, treating something like it's no big deal which it isn't to begin with but like here we are in a you know a month that's given us crazy rich asians um (laughs) Is, you know, Again, the only things that I would point out, he doesn't take his shoes off, and he didn't. It, his his daughter doesn't speak Korean. Well, so can I? I, I have something to say about this yeah. as a yeah. as a half Asian person myself. I, if you if you care about on screen diversity, and if you want to support seeing more Asians and Asians Americans in Hollywood movies, I mean, this film I think is every bit as worth supporting as Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I, I know sure. you covered that film in a previous episode, so we didn't need to get into it, but. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that from what I'm hearing, if I'm not mistaken, Searching is the first mainstream American thriller with an Asian American protagonist. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think it's great to see more screen diversity, not just in like a big film that becomes one of these mo- like of the moment touchstones that take up a lot of oxygen, which Crazy Rich Asians clearly is, but also in these smaller genre films that maybe gradually find an audience through word of mouth or perhaps on DVD or Netflix and, and eventually amass a respectable cult following, which I think this film is on track to do possibly. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'd like to see more of these types of presentations than crazy rich Asians, because as fun and charming as that movie is, it's it very heavily exoticizes Asianness and it associates Asianness with all that opulence and like wealth porn. Um, whereas like you point out, Aaron searching is about a family in crisis that, happens to be korean american right right it's it's not really front and center and i think that kind of presentation will be in the long run a more convincing indicator of having reached a point in which casting choices have become actually colorblind yeah and more so than like something like i don't know like better luck tomorrow which even though it functions as a thriller it is it functions as a thriller about people that are about about asian school students that are a certain way because they emphasize the fact that their parents make them want to study or make them study intensely or like that they are far advanced in their knowledge and they want they try to move to different circles or whatnot because of that or what like so yeah this is more of a it just happens to be this way kind of thing which i yeah i agree i agree with what you're saying and that's not to say there isn't plenty of room for films like better luck tomorrow which is about people who are what coasting on the stereotype that people place upon them as overachievers when right. in fact they're they're dealing drugs and drinking and all these sort of things and that's yeah super interesting as well but yeah exactly i think that justin lynn did a great job of of kind of opening your eyes to that uh, subject matter well when should people go and see searching 
I might actually say seat at the theater a for the reasons you're all saying, which is to support the the diversity that we're seeing. But also, I think it's easier to see what's going on on a bigger screen. On a smaller screen, I think you're more apt to miss certain interesting elements mm-hmm. because of depending on what size your TV is. So I think seeing on the big screen is a little bit more immersive and exciting. Mike, yeah, echo all of that. I think uh, yeah, go support this film. Yeah, I think it's a movie that you don't have to rush out and see right away, but cer- certainly Dollar Theater, mostly because of uh, like what you guys have all said, the the large screenness really helps you uh, get immersed in the the intrigue and the thrill of it. I, I agree with that, Thacker. I think that's actually a good a good point to make in an age where yes, we do have lots of <laughs> giant screens already at home. I do think the the nuances of seeing so many things on a computer screen can be enhanced by having a larger format to work with. And we're not talking about, like, Enhance on CIS. CSI? CSI. (laughs) (laughs) Ruin that joke! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, that was our review for Searching and our review for The Nun. We got those covered. Let's move on. What what time is it, Abe? Aaron, it's time for a very brief game. Let it known fact, that's actually the, the sound that plays when the nun enters the room. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that in the uh, in your theater. That's, how, that's how she taunts Annabelle. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Yes, the nun versus Annabelle. Exactly. You know, evil forces versus evil forces. Love it. Uh, I've got a game for you guys this week. It's HodgePodge, all about possessions. Uh, this is kind of more in line with the nun, but their movies... Uh, there are questions about uh, movies that involve possessions and or exorcisms. Uh, very general clues, but the answers might surprise you. So I would uh, uh, love it if you guys know the answer to the question to buzz in with your name and tell me the answer. Make sense? Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> A few softballs here. Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in this possession action movie alongside Gabriel Byrne. Mike. Mike. End of days. That is correct. Next one here. In The Shining, the hotel evil forces have possessed Jack to kill his family. What is the name of the ballroom that Jack meets past residents of the hotel and gets a drink? Is yeah, that's a, deep, that's, a, that's a deep that's cut. That's a deep cut? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. It's a, a name of a questions. color. Um, is it the Ready Player One ballroom? That is <laughs> yes. very close. The room part is right, Aaron. but uh, Aaron... <laughs> is it the red room? <laughs> it's not the red room, it's another color. Think of it as the color that uh, you associate with first place. The gold room? Who said that? Mike. Mike. There you go, Mike. I'll give it to you. The gold room. Now it gets into uh, more hodgepodge It didn't win many Oscars, but this movie about a possession and an, an exorcism... Did get Anthony Hopkins nominated for the most inspiring performance. Kevin. Silence of the Lambs. That is incorrect. Oh, shit. Aaron. Nominated for the Aaron. Is it the right? The right is oh, correct. Right. That's true. Uh, he was nominated for most inspiring performance in movies by the Movie Guide Awards in 2012. So weird. Uh, next one here. In Child's Play, Brad Dorf uh, voices the titular character. How many movies are in this series? Mike. Mike. 37. That is incorrect. Kevin. Kevin. Seven? That is correct. There are yeah. seven. Yay. Child's Play, Child's Play 2, Child's Play 3, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, 
Curse of Jekyll and Cult of Jekyll, which just came out last year. Uh, next one here. As far as possession movies go, this guy Toby is a real asshole in the Paranormal Activity series. How many movies are in this series? Aaron. Kevin. Kevin. Six. That is correct. Yes. There are six films, Paranormal Activity 1, 2, 3, 4, The Marked Ones, and The Ghost Dimension. Here we go here. In true horror fashion, an ancient demon who loves possessing children to do heinous things to their families while recording that on 8mm film is named Mike. this. Oh, sorry. It's Sinister, right? I don't know the... Ooh, yes, but do you yeah. know the answer? <laughs> Did I hear Aaron? Aaron? What was the question? Oh, yeah, Aaron. You didn't finish the question because Mike jumped in. <laughs> oh. Uh... <laughs> I thought I'd cut it off at the pass, and I was answering the wrong question. Is An it... ancient demon who loves possessing children to do heinous things to their family members while filming on 8mm film is named this. Aaron. Aaron. It's Mr. Boogins. That is incorrect. Oh, I can't remember. Vincent D'Onofrio says this in the trailer a lot. Yeah, it's on the tip of my brain. It's like... It's, uh... It's... If you guys don't have it in three... Is it Mr. Two... Something? It's not Mr. Anything. It's Bagool. Bagool. Abe gets that one. Uh, the killer who sings Time on My Side, who taunts Denzel Washington following. Mike. Yeah. Mike. <laughs> Damn it. So, okay, I'm going to go with the movie title. It's that Colin. is incorrect. Because <laughs> I just said the movie title. Uh, Aaron. It is, it is uh, Fallen, Aaron. Right? It's Osriel. Oh, so close. I'm going to see if Kevin has it. If not, I'm going to give it to you because you're so close. I don't. Azazel. 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 Yes. Yeah. There you go. Uh, there are nine movies in the Insidious Conjuring universe, the James Wanniverse. Can you name all of them? Yes. <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> Conjuring 1, Conjuring 2, Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, The Nun, Insidious, Insidious 2, it, Insidious, is it just three? No. Shit. <laughs> Insidious, the something key. The skeleton, no, the skeleton key. <laughs> Not going to win you any points. <laughs> uh, okay, wait, going back to, yeah, I think I blew it. Aaron. Insidious. Aaron. <laughs> Damn it. I, I mean, we got the Conjuring ones, right? Can we all just go yep. with that? Um, Insidious, Insidious Chapter 2. Yep. Oh, right. I think it's just Insidious 3, and then Insidious the Lost Key. Did you say Lost? I believe the it's the last, last key. key. Right. The last key. And then for, uh, I'm going to give this to the group because it's such a group effort. It's Insidious Chapter 3. Oh, it is Chapter oh. 3. Okay, that was yeah. Insidious 3. Okay. Here Wait, we go so here. is the Insidious films are part of the universe? No, Abe's just making this confusing. I'm making part of the James Bonniverse. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because Patrick Wilson, would yeah. that would mean he's both, right? So if you're confused enough about Vera Farmiga, <laughs> then... The Patrick Wilson thing is a whole other can of whoop ass. He's the father. He, he he leaves his wife Vera Farmiga and then creates a new family with, with uh, Rose Byrne. And, and I have and a headache. Age. And he's Aww. Aquaman's brother. So, you know, James Wan's all over the place with Patrick It's Wilson. all over the place, yeah. Uh, next question here. This director seemingly loves possession movies as he's directed movies such as Deliver Us from Evil, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Aaron. Aaron. Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson is correct. Dr. Strange is Scott Derrickson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last one here. The sequel to Sinister is called Sinister 2. The sequel to Evil Dead is called Evil Dead 2. What is the name of the sequel to The Haunting in Connecticut? Oh, 
the haunting in Connecticut, the ghosts of Georgia. So, so close, and I'm glad you didn't take the bait. <laughs> if you add a number in there, where would you add that number? Oh, oh right. The um, Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. That is correct. I'm so happy that somebody actually got that, because when I read that title, I thought, this can't be a real title, and it is. <laughs> I know, it was the stupidest fucking thing. <laughs> well, no, my, no, my favorite is The Last Exorcism Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there was a I part mean, two to that one? Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's it's uh it's one of those things where you know. Oh, you're right. I saw it. That, yeah. that creative with the uh, with that out there. Well, the By first, the way, the first this one was the last a, exorcism, and then the second one's like, oh, so there's a second last well, exorcism. <laughs> the question is, is it a continuation of the it first? Is. One? It is because it involves the the person Same that girl. was exorcised the first time. Yeah, it's back. But it, it's, it, it like oh, it's it, back because the first one was found footage. This one ditches the found footage, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, too. Is that right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. By the way, because I gave you guys uh, all the point for the thing, there's a two-way tie between Mike and Aaron. Uh, I have a tiebreaker question from here for you guys. Okay. The question is... Bring it. Bring it, Abe. <laughs> In the Exorcist series... By the way, if I get this right, we have to retitle the podcast out now with Abe and Aaron. Okay, I'm done. Those with are the that. stakes. Those are the stakes. <laughs> it's gonna be weird because uh, our our SEO might be a little bit messed up, but yeah, sure. Uh, in the Exorcist series, there are five movies. Can you name all five? Uh, <laughs> Aaron. Aaron. The Exorcist. That's correct. <laughs> the. Hmm. The Exorcist Two. Is that the Heretic? Meanwhile, Mike is just plotting. Uh, yeah, no, it's the heretic. Exorcist, okay. Exorcist three. Uh huh. The or not the just Exorcist the beginning. Uh huh. And then there's the Paul Schrader movie. Um, ooh boy. By five, I should say four because it was a re-release of The Exorcist in two thousand. So that's my bad. But you're very close. Ex- oh, oh wait, wait, no, no. I, um, it's like a, it's a long thing. Dominion prequel to The Exorcist. <laughs> That is correct. <laughs> nice. <Damn it. laughs> and with that, Aaron, you have won this week's very, very closely contested game. Well, that was Your important. podcast title remains. That was important. Yeah, I didn't want to have to say it backwards next week and get all confused. <laughs> no, it was the Exorcist the... of the Heretic one, I thought you were going to slip up on. No, that was, because, that was where I was. Uh, I knew, I, it's I knew, it's I knew the, the only one stuff. in the original trilogy with like the, the sub heading yeah no i i knew the traitor thing i was gonna figure that out but like yeah, it was two and three i was like which one's the heretic so yeah it was two it was the heretic. yeah weirdly like i knew the dominion one and i, I would have completely tripped up on the, the sequence leading up to it all right <laughs> good game abe <laughs> you're welcome okay let's uh let's move on let's move on let's start uh no what we got we got feedback 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 as we go over some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, we go over the various answers to the questions that we asked to the listeners, and they gave us some questions that we can answer as well. That is correct. Currently pulling up some feedback here. Mike and Kevin, feel free to chime in when you want to on some of these questions we're about to go. Uh, the first question we asked everybody, a lot of horror movies find a way to incorporate religion. What's your favorite horror movie that hits on this aspect? Justin writes, Exorcist, done. Christopher has The Seventh Sign, The Omen, the original one, uh, Stigmata, The Wicker Man, the original one, and Carrie, the original one. 
Tyler Wright's frailty and the, and the Exorcist are obvious choices, and I'll throw out the sacrament in there. I love Gene Jones in it, and I love to champion Ty West whenever I can. Philip has The Exorcist. Uh, friend of the show, Alan, has The Ninth Gate. Eric has, yeah, those folks covered it pretty well, and I'll add John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, The Fog, Vampires, They Live, Big Trouble in Little China, Village of the Damned, and Hope It Ain't Done. Lastly, Luke has frailty is the answer, unless you're a demon. You're not a demon, are you? I'm sorry, Luke, we can't answer that. Frailty is actually my go-to on this question. I think frailty is hmm. fantastic. I feel I'm, like the Hellraiser movies are a real oversight in that list you just read. Perhaps so. I was actually impressed that somebody said The Seventh Sign, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, but I don't think it's a horror movie in particular. It's more like a thriller. Those are fun. Do you think uh, the French film Martyrs counts? It's maybe grounded more in like existential philosophy than religion, but... Yeah. You want it to count? <laughs> <laughs> I can't see why not. Um, yeah, let's go with it. All right. <laughs> Sounds All right. good. Let's get to our next question. Um, what are some of your favorite horror films that featured great actors unexpectedly in the lead role? Philip has The Limehouse Golem with Bill Nye. Justin has Kiefer Sutherland in The Lost Boys. In front of the show, Alan Aguilera put up a picture of Tom Everett Scott in That Thing You Do, which was confusing. So I'm thinking, <laughs> was it because of like American Werewolf and Werewolf? Yeah, American Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the one that always comes to mind immediately is Jeffrey Rush in House on Haunted Hill, the remake. And I was like, why is he in this movie? Anthony Hopkins in the right. Yeah. That was surprising. I mean, most inspiring performance by, in the movie by <laughs> Movie Guide Awards nominee. So weird. <laughs> De Mike, do you have any? Uh, De Niro hey, was Frankenstein's monster. I mean, that was that was kind of like an artsy movie type thing, wasn't it? I mean, it's 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 Frankenstein. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no one comes to mind for me. I wish Ethan Hawke would stop doing these movies, right. um, but that's that's in the opposite direction. What about Robert De Niro in that one with where with uh, Fanning, Dakota Fanning? Oh, hide, hide and, and seek. seek. Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that's. Not I good. don't remember. You don't need to. It was a, Janu oh, okay. a January release from like 2005 or something, six. Maybe. Yeah. What's it called? Hide and seek. Hide and seek. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now as we talk. But the next question. I, I bet the, po some... the poster has to be like De Niro's floating head and like Dakota Fanning like looking up and making a face or something. <laughs> that has to be what it is. Now it's it's a long hallway with red and and a person in half profile. <laughs> But anyway, next question. What are some movies with memorable scenes taking place in a graveyard? Tyler has The Climax of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Isaac has Friday the 13th, Part 5. Or is that 6? I can't tell if that's an exclamation mark. It's a I six. think it's 6. It's 6. <laughs> Philip has Still Walking. Justin has uh, This Has to Be Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Uh, since, uh -huh. I saying, there is a hide-and-seek poster with this exact thing that I described. It's another one of the posters. <laughs> Now we know. Uh, Cynthia has Evil Dead 1 and 2. The Nun wasn't that good. Thanks, Cynthia. Uh, and Chris has Brain Dead. I'll kick the ass for the Lord. I kick ass for the Lord. Memorable scenes in the graveyard. Oh, Halloween. Now, the first Halloween. Yeah. When, now when, I see when Loomis the, is walking through the graveyard. you're talking about, yeah, by the way. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first Halloween. Kind of spooky. There's a, there's a good cult film from the mid-90s. It's called Cemetery Man. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. with uh, Rupert Everett. It's like a horror comedy, and he's the night watchman for a, a grave uh, for I a cemetery. Wanna, uh, 
shout out assassins when uh, Sylvester Stallone has that fake cast and uh, he starts shooting people at, right. a, at a <laughs> yeah. cemetery. It's like a mob funeral. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question we have here: Do you mind jump scares in horror movies? Uh, Manish writes. Yes. Manish writes, not with the packed enthusiastic audience. I love when someone screams loudly and then everyone laughs. Farron writes, they can work well, but many scary films rely too heavily on them. Makes me shit my pants about jump scares, and you will have my admiration. Chris writes, nope, they can be great fun if watching a film with friends. Eric has the rest of the movie must be beyond them. And Justin writes, when used correctly. So everyone has basically the same idea on this. (laughs) Like, if they can be effective at times, or if it's not the primary emphasis. It doesn't involve a cat. What's that? As long as it doesn't involve a cat. A cat doing a jump scare? Meaning, like, you know, they'll, they'll heavy piano and then, like, a cat just, like, meow. Yeah, yeah a cat jumps out of a cupboard. Yeah, it's the, uh, oh, it's just the cat cliche. And right. then something behind that person has to appear after they, like, catch their breath. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to echo Manisha's answer of, you know, it actually is fun with, a, with an audience. There was actually a couple in front of me that, unfortunately, left because maybe they were bored or it was too scary, whatever the case is, but they should have stayed for the nun. Um, but it's fun to see other people react to it as well and, and kind of have the same uh, types of reaction. I think the most fun I had with that type of movie uh, would be The Others uh, with Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. And that was that was like a fun reveal with an audience. There's... There's two two examples I have where well one is like a whole thing it's the paranormal activity series so somehow mm-hmm. I always got like the best audience for those movies because I never there was never like obnoxious audience reaction there was always like the exact right reaction that you should have with those films because I <laughs> sure. I was a fan of that series I think there's a couple that aren't as great but I did I did all like, six I did I did like seeing those movies when they were coming out me um, too but um and the other one is Drag Me to Hell which relies heavily on jump scares, but I think it's so much fun because Sam Raimi knows exactly how to do this thing. So that was, that's, that's, a, that's a movie that works whenever I'm seeing it. As far as being having a heavy emphasis on jump scares, which does have cats that way too, but it also eliminates... <laughs> actually, the, the movie The Right actually has a scene where there's a cat jump scare and then he looks in a and like in the, the bottom floor of this abbey or something and it's all cats. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. really? Well, like, at least on. they're calling attention to it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was so weird. Well, we're now moving to questions that the audience asks the panel here today. Chris asks everyone, what film has completely scared the pants off of you? Simple and direct. The Descent. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am, I'm claustrophobic because it is, so it was getting me even before the monster showed up, but as soon as the monster showed up, I was I was hooked. Yeah. I think the last one that really scared, uh, Wreck in Wreck 2, I think those two are legit terrifying <laughs> to watch. Okay. I think the last one that really kind of got me was probably Insidious, where again, I <laughs> was... I, I couldn't even look at my, my my image in their mirror when I was washing my hands. I was like, I, I don't want to see this woman in black. <laughs> I do like the I like the, uh, the first one specifically. Too. Yeah, I mean, the first one yeah. that I like. Um, and I, I kind of like three, but I, I don't like two. That's my kind of thought on that. I don't um, like two either. Yeah. I like three more. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think three is better because it's, yep. it's more back to basics. Three. Is, that, is that the prequel one prequel yeah the prequel two is like the back to the future two one where it's like let's have alternate timelines and stuff going right on. no but one i think and that's another one i think juan is very good at jump scares i think he yes there are some like you mentioned kevin like in conjuring two or it, it, some of his movies in general they kind of like let's just go all out sometimes i think insidious mm-hmm. is a film that 
it's such a like a pastiche of horror films in general where it's like mm-hmm. i don't mind that there's a lot of jump scares because that's what he's it's that's what he's trying to do it's very much trying yeah. to evoke a certain sense throughout the film even if it feels familiar but it's also effective i think the sound design is very loud but loud in like a good way as opposed to being oppressive um and like making me just not want to keep watching like some movies right. do there's a, a movie called i've talked about this before aaron probably has heard me talk about it called the pact um with casper it's on Dean. Yes, yes. Yeah, Casper Van Dien. But that, the reveal on that movie scared the crowd out of me. I just remembered just like hyperventilating because it just, I don't know what, it was the way he filmed it, the way the reveal happened. Is this when like there's a ghost in the ceiling or something like that? Well, we don't want to say anything. <laughs> and no, it's not. But it's, like totally in the poster. It's, it's like in the poster, there's like something coming out of the walls. Like that's the poster of the movie. Well, yeah, but that's not what you think. Fair enough. Well, no one's saying what it is. <laughs> shush, shush. Yeah, I haven't oh. seen it yet. Let's not ruin it for me. It's good. I I thought it was really well done. Okay. All right. The Pact, eh? Okay. The Pact. Not to don't watch the sequel. Sequel's terrible. <laughs> There's no. a sequel to The Pact? Yeah. yeah. Pact yeah. 2. Pact up. Uh. <laughs> Pact. <laughs> All right. Pact again. Before I move on, yep. uh, we do have our poll. Um, which I wanted to get to. I forgot I meant to get to the beginning of feedback, but here we are. We got the poll uh, for this week. Every week we do a poll on Out Now on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, where we put two movies against each other, something that relate to each other in some way. And this week we put up religious horror versus gothic horror. And so good thing you mentioned The Others, Dave, because we have The Omen versus The Others. Um, and now in doing this, choosing one film saves that film while the other gets banished from history entirely. Um, so just to make it extra hard, um, and I will say this has been our most hotly contested poll. I would say I, have, I don't see I don't know what the results are as of yet. I haven't clicked myself, but as far as the number of votes as well as the debate about it in the comments, people really want to, really want to discuss the, these two combinations. So, you know, did something right as far as matching these films together. I thought Exorcist would be way too easy if I put that against anything. Uh, I think that kind of win yeah, the I, I agree. So I think the others in the Omen feel feel like they're right on par with each other as far as that and. Um, so before we get to what the listeners decided, what, what, where are you guys at between the Omen or the Others? Which would you save? Me, uh, the Omen, only because the Others I figured it out in ten minutes. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also say the Omen just because of the classicness of it. Um, yeah. It's not to say that I don't enjoy the Others. I really do, but um, just as far as the, I guess it's it's future strength. It just really hasn't been, and it has been in conversation, but just not as much as the Omen. Yeah, I think Omen maybe hasn't dated that well, but it's it's a it's a much more recyclable thing because there's a lot of sort of religious uh, vocabulary to it, and you can it, it it bears fruit in other ways, right? If you wanted to expand on that, whereas the others feels like a very isolated film that relies on kind of gimmicks and and scares that are effective, but it's it's like a it's like a one-off. I feel like. And you, can, you can get more mileage out of the omen that's that's funny because, and i thought there'd be actually more debate about this because i know a lot of people really like the others i don't like the others i'm not a fan of the movie <laughs> i've tried really? a couple times to be like okay let me let's see if it, maybe it works this time and i've just never come around to it i just think it's kind of slow <laughs> like that's <laughs> which no I've that's never... the one where there's like a woman on the ceiling right <laughs> 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 but, 
No, she's on the armoire and just jumps out. <laughs> and, yes. and as far as the omen goes, I like the omen, but I like it as far as how over the top it is. I wouldn't call it a classic horror film in the way where because of its quality. I call it a classic because it's old. It's and old. It has, it has yeah. Gregory Peck, so it makes it respectable by default. And like it's you know Dick Donner's like first like one of his first movies, um, and that would lead him to Superman. So good for him. Um, so I, yeah, and I think it does have a bigger cultural impact uh, comparatively to the others. Yeah, which it's got like one of the best like beheading scenes ever. Oh, for sure. Yeah, with um, Warner. Um, yeah. But yeah, the others. And surprised, I was looking up the director, and it surprised like he hasn't gone on to like he did the original. He did the film that Vanilla, Vanilla Sky was based off. Open your eyes. Um, mm. And he followed this up with uh, the Sea Inside. So it's like, there's a variety of films there, but because I, I know the others, that was a hit. Like, that made a lot of money that summer. That It came out, like, in August of, like, 2001, I think, or 2000, right. 2001. And I, I'm surprised it didn't kind of lead to bigger things or whatnot, or even, like, a sequel, More Others, or something like that. But, um, <laughs> more Others. But uh, so I'm clicking The Omen. Let's see what the, what the listeners say. And there you go. The Omen, 60% versus The Others, 40%. So there you yeah, go. The, Omen, the Omen wins this out. I'll add this to our ever-growing list of movies that have been snapped out of existence. That is, being the others. Um, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. I'm just writing blind words now because it doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, there, there we go. That's. that's... Hey, can I share what scares me? Sure. I never got to. Yeah. Um, sharks. Okay. Like, like a good shark jump scare always gets me. Were you a fan <laughs> of the Meg? I, well, I'm a huge fan of the Meg because, uh, uh, but mainly because of Jason Statham. Okay. Yeah, Statham, shirtless and wet. That's like made my <laughs> summer. <laughs> but but yeah, there's a couple of jumps that got me for like a cheesy PG-13 creature feature. I was like jumping in my seat in spite of myself. Yeah. The second bite with Rain Wilson. Yep, got me. Yeah, that that's a good one. Yeah. So I, it's probably just childhood trauma from having seen Jaws when I was too little, but. <laughs> Yeah, the ocean. The ocean scares me. Not even the ocean. Water <laughs> can scare me. Just the idea of being in a pool that's very deep is like, I don't know, a shark can't be in here right now. There's no... I <laughs> have that fear. That's my biggest irrational fear. It's kind of an irrational fear, fear guys. It is the, irrational. the water is clear in a pool. <laughs> that's, well, I know. it can be deep. And you don't know when you're in it, when you're looking at it from outside, sure, there's nothing there, but when you're in the water, you, know, you can't see above it. 100% agree. This is how wow. good Jaws is. That's the point. <laughs> That's how good of a movie Jaws is. All right. That was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's, uh, let's move on now. Let's, uh, let's uh, move on to what's at, what out now, presents what's out now, which is what's coming out now on Blu-ray, DVD, and what's coming to streaming as well. And uh, let's see. First up, for as far as uh, Blu-ray, DVD, 4K goes, we have uh, Ocean's 8. Yeah, it's fine. Feel free to give a yeah. yay or nay to any of these. Yeah. Uh, Superfly. Yeah, skip it. The one that just got released in June, yeah. Uh, I didn't. I did, I heard mixed negative reviews. The uh, the Big Bang Theory season eleven. Pass. Pass. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. On uh, still Christ. catching up on seasons one through ten. <laughs> <laughs> Is that uh, going to happen there, buddy? <laughs> well, I'm on it as soon as we're done. <laughs> <laughs> have a good day. <laughs> on on Criterion this week we have Cold Water. As well as the Tree of Life uh, coming out. Yay! So I watched this. Anna and I watched the Tree of Life uh, this weekend. Did which you? Is, yeah, which is not just the um, the original theatrical cut, but a whole extended edition that has uh, mm. almost an hour of new footage. And the way it's been described, although I'm not sure if I necessarily agree by Terrence Malick, is that it's basically a new movie. 
I wouldn't go that far. It's certainly a longer movie. I think Anna and I agree on that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a fan of the Tree of Life. It's longer I, than three hours and ten minutes? It, well, the first, the theatrical version is two hours and 20 minutes. So, you know, yeah. this version is three hours and eight minutes. Um, pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, I would say I, I've, I've been a fan of Tree of Life. It's not necessarily one of my favorites in the same way I know it's a lot of people's as far as like the decade or that year or what have you. Kevin, I, th- I take it you're like a big fan of Tree of Life. Well, it's funny. The first time I saw it, I did not like it at all. And then I watched it again with subtitles, so I could actually just listen. Because <laughs> like, there's there a lot saying. of whispering, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I liked it a lot better when I could just kind of focus and I knew what I was getting. And now I really like it. Okay. Well, yeah, I, would, I, I wouldn't say this is necessarily, like, the definitive version for me as far as, like, which version of Tree of Life I'm going to watch. But, it, you know, there's... And I haven't watched the original Tree of Life to kind of know every single thing that's added, but I, I can kind of piece together some things that I that are new to the film. And just in terms of filmmaking, like it, it's just more of what I think is very impressive cinematography from uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, as well as you know more of this movie in general. And if you like Tree of Life, you're going to get more of it. That's for sure. So, mm. okay. Not not no new dinosaurs, unfortunately. That's you know, there's no new dinosaurs. All the same. Is the is there. the Sean Penn stuff more? Does it make more sense? I think there's more of it, and I would say it seems to have. There's I think the, the the connective through line of it I think is a little bit more decipherable. If I had to guess, okay. Okay. Uh, that's a, I think there's more of it. It's hard to t- <laughs> I couldn't quite okay. parse out every wandering Sean Penzine to know of like is this new? Is this another shot of him right. walking on rocks? Right. <laughs> but, but like going from beginning to end, I feel like I I it also might just because I've seen this movie a few times now, but it's like I grasp what's going on well enough to not be totally confused by why he's here. Like I I get the kind of the purpose of him. Um, okay. But yeah. But yeah, so, right. and it's on Criterion. It has both cuts of the film as well as a bunch of new features. So, I mean, if you're a fan of the film, there's a lot going on in Tree of Life. So Cool. Let's see. Also out, Christine, 35th Anniversary 4K Edition. The, oh, wow. The John Carpenter okay. film. Yeah, see That's it. cool. Somebody told me, I've not seen it since I was a kid, but somebody said it's a super homoerotic movie. I've heard that before um, as far as... I'm thinking back uh, to what I know it. about it. And it's like, I can see it. I have to watch it again. <laughs> Uh, let's see. On Warner Archive this week is Big Wednesday. Uh, Haven't heard of it. It's a surfer movie with surfer uh, movie, Gary yeah. Busey when he was really young. Yeah, and less crazy. Um, <laughs> and on Shout, on Shout Factory this week, actually speaking of the Seventh Sign, the Seventh Sign makes its Blu-ray debut. Yay! I know I have to watch it today. It's with uh, Demi Moore, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. uh, also on Shout Factory is uh, Brain Dead, the rare film that stars Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. Whoa! Wow! Yeah, I know. It's like gonna tear a hole in the time-space continuum. <laughs> yeah, at least it really is the evil nun. Um, so let's. Uh... It's like typing Google into Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that takes you to Bing, and it's like, why? It takes you to Bing. Oh. Uh, all right. Uh, also out on streaming this week uh, on Netflix, we have Iron Fist season two. Uh, I watched the first episode of only ten compared to thirteen, making it the best season of Iron Fist yet. Let's see, what else is out? Uh, Sierra Burgess is a Loser. This is the film with, um, with Barb from Stranger Things. What's her name? I watched it. Shannon Person. I watched it two nights you ago. You watched it? Yep. Is it good? I really like that. You no, know, it's really good. It's like an old John Hughes movie. Okay. And, um, oh, I, oh, I put this on here. City of Joy, which is not the, I think there's a Patrick Swayze film called that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is about him as a rickshaw person in India, which is not a good movie. Uh, but there's a it's, it, this is a documentary uh, set in Africa that deals with uh, some heavy stuff. <laughs> and I noticed it's like, oh, I'll give this a watch at some point. Um, let's see, on Prime this week, speaking of heavy stuff, a three-hour and 45 documentary about Oscar Pistorius is now on Prime. Okay, interesting. So if you got the time. Um, and speaking of runners with things that are notable about them stronger is now on prime this week that's the jake gyllenhaal oh. film from last uh, wait, oh, okay david the david gordon green film uh with jake gyllenhaal as the uh, uh the marathon runner who lost a leg in the bombing yeah in boston which, uh boston marathon which was supposed to be yeah. terrific i never got a chance i to heard see it, yeah i've heard good things terrific. i haven't seen it um so yeah before you see david gordon green's halloween make sure to watch david gordon green stronger <laughs> <laughs> all right that's what's coming out and what's streaming. Let's go on to next week. Next week's show is The Predator. The Predator. Okay. Mm, yep. Uh, Shane Black's <laughs> yep. The Predator. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing that. We'll talk about that. Last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Kevin, what should people see on see in theaters right now? What should they see? Um, shoot. I don't know. I would say, I'd just say Crazy Rich Asians at this point. Hmm. Because there's not a lot of good things out. What are you seeing next? Uh, I'm seeing The Predator on Monday. Mike? And I, yep, yeah, that's yep. it. Right. Nope, that's it. Mike, yeah, I don't, know what, I don't know what to recommend. It's it's September is usually such a dead zone, you know. But uh, if, if you are uh, politically minded, there's a pretty impactful documentary out. I think it's like on iTunes. It's called Active Measures. Mm. Um, it's about kind of long history of russian uh, money laundering and uh uh you know as covert espionage going on in the states and and not not to get political but if it's unmistakable based on the amount of just information they bombard you with it's just unmistakable that trump is a puppet of vladimir putin um so it's it's pretty compelling in that way as a documentary i don't know uh you know it's uh it's pretty so-so but the information is pretty compelling Got it. at first i thought uh, you were talking about um more's new documentary but that, no this uh, just came out that doesn't come yeah. out yeah that just debuted yeah. at festivals yeah um that's so i think that's worth supporting just you know if you if you want to kind of get involved in the political moment otherwise i don't i'd say searching or crazy rich agents just because it's worth it to be able to participate in conversations about these films can i jump back yeah because I just remembered two. They're both indies, but I think one of them's on VOD. There's a movie called We the Animals. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Which I, that one. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. I thought it has similar themes to Moonlight a little bit, but I feel like it worked better than Moonlight. I'm not a big fan of Moonlight. Um, I thought this was a little bit more emotional, and it's beautiful to watch. And then there's a horror movie um, on VOD called What Keeps You Alive with uh, this lesbian couple who goes to the mountains and then one of them turns into a psychopath. But it's really well shot, really well um, ed- um, acted, really surprising. Like, there was twists and turns like you wouldn't believe. It was great. Is that the one where they're a newlywed couple? Yes. And then something, like, history comes out to light? Yep. yep. Okay, gotcha. No, that one was fun? Yeah, oh, so good. Okay. What is he next, Mike? Oh, probably Predator. It- Definitely recommend uh, Searching and Crazy Rich Asians if you haven't seen them. Um, and then if you haven't seen any of the small movies that we've talked about for the past weeks, please go see those. Uh, and next would be The Predator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, searching, Black Klansman. They're, out, they're all still out there making money. 
uh, eighth grade mission impossible oh w- yeah one other thing i'm super stoked for this this movie that ethan hawk directed blaze the blaze yeah <laughs> you haven't seen it have you i haven't i just know he directed a movie called yeah blaze. yeah <laughs> um yeah i'm just hearing good things and it seems like the next good sort of indie film to watch in lieu of the mainstream stuff gotcha okay all right good to know all right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now There and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews and everything else I do, a lot of it that, at uh, We Live Entertainment. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Find more fun stuff over at my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash rollersmoose, hashtag don't search for the nun. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Subsex 40 of the podcast. Mike, anything you want to plug? Nah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Taft, where can people find more of your work online? Um, edge on the net. No, it's not. Sorry. It's edgemedianetwork.com. Keep on making a note of that. Um, but that's the website. It's still called Edge on the Net, right? Is that... Well, it's Edge Media Network. It used to be edgeonthenet.com, but you can actually type that in and it'll switch automatically. Okay. Gotcha. Good. So to know. it's now Edge Media Network. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, you can find all the other episodes about Now Third Name on iTunes, Audioboom, and Spotify. Listen to us over at HHWD, SoundCloud, and Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on today's show or anything else you've talked about ever at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Also write to us and send us messages, add feedback, whatever the case, uh, over at uh, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, just like Becky did. Thanks, Becky. We'll get you. We'll get back to you. And then also um, uh, twitter.com slash twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, there's our Tumblr page where you can send Abe plenty of gifts of scary nuns and scary clowns at the same time at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. I think the clowns scare me more. It's the year anniversary of scary clowns being sent to Abe at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> 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 and next year we get Chapter 2, so we get even more. Oh, great. That'll, that'll, be, that'll be that everyone's had ample time to make all the it gifts possible to send to you, specifically, on outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> can't wait for part two either (laughs) right all right well that's gonna do it thank you kevin and mike for joining us today thank you gucci (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna do it so until next time when we see just what's hunting the predator after all that's gonna do it now so until then so long and goodbye talking about like enhance on cis csi csi (laughs) (laughs) ruin that joke